Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. I'm Sean Flanagan. We are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast where we discuss the Ninja Turtle comics one issue at a time. Ridiculous. Grown men talking about a 30-plus-year-old comic. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I watched Dirty Work last night in honor of Norm, and that, that's uh, my, okay. my favorite part when they go to prison and just how long he drags it out. I haven't seen that movie probably since it first came out on VHS, but I remember liking it. I think that was the last time I saw it, too, but it holds up. It, it's still pretty funny, but yes, Norm MacDonald could make ridiculous hilarious. So what have you been up to this week besides that? Uh, I've finally been watching the 2003 series. I, I've been Outside of the, sh- the uh, theme song, I've been digging it. It's definitely very much what we've covered on the show, animated. Yeah, yeah. It's. Re- I, I was just telling you a second ago. Like, there's there's a great like last Ronin ish episode in there too. So look forward to that. But moving on, let's get into this book where we're chugging along, Sean, and we're gonna be we're gonna be over with the first volume of Mirage before we were even ready to be. Ridiculous. <laughs> and to help us break it down today, we actually have a guest this week. We have Audrey Wilson. She did the logo for our show, and she's got a new project, Pigsty Comics, that you can go check out on Instagram. How you doing, Audrey? Hey, doing all right. How are you guys doing? Sitting and waiting but for my introduction, but, um, but doing good, and glad to hear it sounds like you guys are doing good, and Love your guys' podcast. Uh, um, I, I, I'm a huge Ninja Turtle fan, but I can't say I'm as huge as you guys. So it's definitely been like really like learning um, a lot, of, learning interesting stuff about like the old comics and stuff from Mirage and stuff. And you guys got to be pretty excited to almost get through Volume One. Yeah, I I can't wait to start. Like from here on out, it's for better or worse. The stories are always in continuity. There's no more guest era. This doesn't count. Um, that was just like so weird to get through. I'm excited too to see what we uh, what Audrey will conjure up for season three for us. But I gotta say the season one art was awesome. Season two art I love, and I gotta say that we've been getting a lot of people that bring it up who really really like it because you went with the arcade game box art. Oh, that's awesome. And I, I guess some people like have found the show based just off the logo you made, so that's insanely cool. That's so great! I love that. That makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah, I definitely love it. Like it's, it, I, I was so happy. I immediately sent it to Sean when I first saw it. I was like, "Look at this! This is going to be our art." I, we we can't tweet about it yet, but I can't wait to tweet about it. I like when you um, sent it to me. Like we needed a non-disclosure. Like we actually are celebrities <laughs> you're like here you can't say anything I'm like oh okay i didn't know we get all marvel all of a sudden but <laughs> well you know and the first one was so much fun but like the second one i'm not gonna lie because it's like you know really based in that time of like that late 80s early 90s like cartoon era and like see that's probably where i'm since I'm a big animation nerd, I work in animation. Like, I really follow the Ninja Turtles through animation, and that was, like, prime TMNT for me at that moment. Nice. So that's actually that's actually a great segue. I don't think we asked this last time you were on, is what is your, your entry point, or what is your background with the Turtles in general? Like, what is it? I've seen the movies, and I grew up watching the cartoon show, like, you know, Yellow um, Jumpsuit O'Neill and all that, and Rob Paulson, like Raphael to Rob Paulson, um, Donatello and the <laughs> Ninja Turtles. And I, like I said, I love keeping up with the animation. I love how much, how the artists have really experimented with the looks, like each time it's like brought back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what we've said. We want as many different versions as we can get. <laughs> yeah. I mean, probably pushing the limits of probably a style that I would probably say, like, didn't quite work was probably, like, the Michael Bay produced one. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, there's, there's elements that are, like, I could see what they were going for, just, but, like, yeah, it was kind of like, eh. But, <laughs> but again, still always, like, nice to see, like, sometimes it's just nice to, like, throw things out there, so... <laughs> And actually, I feel like I can appreciate that version now that it's not the current version. Yeah. There's like this, like, 
I don't know if it technically falls in the category of recency bias, but like a, a lot of things, not even just Ninja Turtles, that I don't initially like, I'll find myself liking them more down the, the line when it's not the current version anymore. Like it's a little easier to, to take assessment of it. Oh yeah, it gives you time to like kind of like, you know, settle and like have it sink in your brain a little bit. It's like <laughs> It's almost like, well, since that's not coming back ever again, maybe, maybe <laughs> I'll take a look at it, you know? <laughs> I don't have to worry about it attacking me one more time. <laughs> yeah, Rumors on Seth Rogen producing cuz I know there's like Seth Rogen is producing an animated film that has a release date. And then there's a just a few weeks ago at the time of this recording, there was news that they're also doing a live action version that will be a theatrical release film. And that's being written by, oh, I can't think of his name right now, but he's one of the weekend update people on Saturday Night Live right now. Um, I can't think of his name. Uh, Scarlett Johansson's husband. Um, I can't oh, think yeah, of his I know name. who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad. Um, like, I don't really know him, but I, I can see him. It's like <laughs> Yeah. I saw a funny tweet about that situation, though, like playing off of the Suicide Squad. Uh, where where they said, um, I can't wait for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when they're in theaters. <laughs> that, that's the new sequels, like, you know, Gone are like the ones and twos or or returns. It's just adding more like, you know, the thes and ands yep. and us right before. Well, I don't know if you remember this, but when the Michael Bay movies were like the first one was just in the trailer stages or it might have even been before the trailer, they were talking about calling the movie just Ninja Turtles, and people freaked out. <laughs> they were like, no, you need the full name. And if you look at a lot of the promotional material for that movie, it just says Ninja Turtles. But today, today we are here to talk about City at War Part 12, story by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, script by Peter Laird and Jim Lawson, pencils by Jim Lawson, inks by Keith Aiken, and lettering by Mary Kelleher. The cover date is July 1993, so let's take a look at what was going on in July of 93. This Month in Entertainment So movies released in July of 93. This is a good summer for movies. Last, last week we had some good ones, this week we got some good ones. So... Uh, starting off not so good is Son-in-Law. You know that one? Oh, the, the brief period when Polly Shore was getting movie deals. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll start at the bottom there with Son-in-Law, a Polly Shore film. Then we've got classic for our generation, Rookie of the Year. Nice. Which always gets lumped in with Angels in the Outfield as yep. the two kid baseball movies. You've also got Free Willy came out this month with the Michael Jackson Classic. soundtrack. I don't see that movie being as successful without the Michael Jackson songs. I don't know if he did the whole soundtrack, but he definitely did a song. I haven't seen it in a long time. So, my girlfriend loves that movie. I've seen it twice within the last few years. And I gotta say, there's nothing... <laughs> she loves it, but I'm like, there's... I don't see much special here. <laughs> like it's a, it, it, it's a it's lot stuff of stuff you've seen a hundred times. It's this kid. He's uh, he gets adopted by a family. He's kind of a jerk to the family because he was an orphan, and then he makes friends with the whale, and they free the whale. The end. That's the movie. It's one of those movies where you imagine the pitch was so the whale, you know, is in captivity, and this kid helps it, and it jumps into the sea. Well, where's the rest of the movie? Ah. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I remember from that movie, and it like always stuck with me as a kid because I'm always self-conscious if I ever go to an aquarium or zoo, is like all those like obnoxious kids like whacking their hands up against the oh, glass. Oh yeah, <laughs> yep. So I had to look this up because it didn't make sense to me, but this is true. This movie also came out in July of '93. July of '93, Hocus Pocus. Yes. Which. I'm like, why was that not in October? That's so yeah, weird. Yeah, that, that was in July. I saw that in the theater. And uh, I guess little dated trivia by the time this is out in the world. But they're going to film Hocus Pocus 2 here in Rhode Island. Oh, how cool. Another movie from that summer, Coneheads. Probably yeah. one of the last good Dan Aykroyd movies. 
I just watched that one the other other night too long ago. Is there a good Dan Aykroyd movie after Coneheads? Ooh. That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, he cameo in Casper. I know he has that cameo in Casper, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't shave his mustache. (laughs) And then also this month, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Uh, Yeah. Classic. And speaking of Saturday Night Live cast members, So I Married an Axe Murderer came out that month with Mike Myers. That's a fun movie. I've never seen it. You've never seen So I Married an Axe Murderer? It was on in the comic book store last time I went. Does that count? (laughs) You should have just stayed and watched it. (laughs) I got places to be, Flanagan. Um, So uh, that's, that's the movies. Billboard number one songs. July 3rd is the last week for this song that's been on for a little while. That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson. It is dethroned by a song I don't know. It says uh, the song is Weak, W-E-A-K, by S-W-V. Not no familiar idea. with it. So that's number one for two weeks. And then the next two weeks is Can't Help Falling in Love by UB40, the song that's played at every wedding cocktail hour ever. <laughs> yep. So does Wise Man say... Because that's the start of that song. Does wise man say only fools rush in? Or does he say... Wise man say to never pay full price (laughs) for late pizza. Video games from that month. The Nintendo Power cover was The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. It was their 50th issue. Ooh. And apparently CGC is grading magazines now. Because... Uh, when I was looking up the it, to find out what the cover was for this issue, I saw that someone had a CGC-graded issue of Nintendo Power. It's in 4.5 condition, so it's not even in great shape. Um, <laughs> and, oh, man, I'm going to be mad if my if all those wizards that I used to have... I collected them so... I like, had them for such a long time, and like a few years ago, I'm like, oh, they'll just take up space. I'll just throw them out, and it's like, oh, watch it. They'll be like worth a lot of money. <laughs> I can't remember, uh, up in my attic, I either have, I bought it like 15 years ago, back when you could get stuff cheap on eBay, like back before there was like a crazy scalper market, and just to own it, I either bought, I can't remember, it was either the first issue of Nintendo Power or the first issue of Game Pro. I can't remember which one, but I, I've got an issue one of something up in the attic. Fortunately for me, I've come to accept that my complete Phantom Menace Pepsi cans from 1999 that I tossed were garbage. So yeah. that was just me wasting a lot of time tracking down cans. And some TV events from this month. Uh, July 5th, the Ren and Stimpy show begins airing on Network 10 in Australia, making it the first Nicktoon to be shown in that country. Interesting choice, then- considering... Uh, how banny they get in that country. Yeah. <laughs> and then I don't mean this to be just Nickelodeon stuff, but it was the only other TV event I read about that I cared about. Um, July 11th, Wienerville premieres on Nickelodeon, which was a show I remember liking as a kid. But then they did an episode on the Big Orange Couch podcast about it. So I went and, and revisited it. And Wienerville's not as good as I remember. It's, it's one of those things it. where, like, sometimes your childhood shows don't hold up. Yeah. <laughs> was that the Popsicle, or is that the mascot? I forget the host's name, but he would stick his head through a thing and have, like, a little puppet under his chin. So, like, it was his real head, and he had, like, a puppet body. Oh, I hated and he would that do show. All kinds of all kinds of sketches. Yeah, I no, that I didn't and like then, it then. In between the sketches, they would air like forty-year-old cartoons. Like, it was literally, like, Mr. Magoo cartoons and stuff that no kids cared about. Because it was cheap. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, Magoo. And then, also on television, because we don't have Saturday Night Live, I moved over to MST3K. The thought occurred to me when I was doing this, it's interesting that that show was airing in the summertime. That must be part of the reason we were able to discover it when we were growing up. Because, yeah. you know, as a, as a kid, when you're out of school, you're... Daytime TV is terrible. Like, you're always looking for something to watch. Um, So they had Warrior of the Lost World that month. Yes. Also, Hercules, 
and Swamp Diamonds with the short film What to Do on a Date. Oh, yes. I, lo- I, I definitely remember that short more than the movie. And, and the movie was good, too. But The guy in that looks like he could be Jim Halpert's grandfather. He looks, yep. He's tall, lanky. He's got the same nose. It's a great short. My <laughs> One of my favorite shorts is the one on budgeting money where, like, the ghost of Ben Franklin is tormenting this kid. Yeah. Um, or the one on cheating. That's got one of my favorite gags ever when, when it's like this dark room and he opens the door and they start making noises like there's a party in the other room. <laughs> Maybe if this kid had parents. Yeah. <laughs> but that's all the notes I have on July of 93. So that's the environment this comic was released in. We can start talking about the comic now. So it is number 61 of the run, part 12 of City at War. You can find it on Comixology and in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Ultimate Classics, Volume 5. I thought this cover was weird. Uh, weirder than what we've seen so far? <sighs> I don't think it's any weirder than last week's where they look, or the two weeks ago where they look like they were in like a mosh pit together. I don't know, it just... It's unintentionally funny to me, I guess, that it's just them and a pile of foot soldiers. Yeah, it does look like they're walking over like a bunch of bodies. Like it is is kind of it's it, or it's kind of like when you're at a, a sleepover when you're uh you know a kid and you you, you got to walk to the bathroom in the middle of the night and make sure you don't step on anybody. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, just something about it doesn't work for me. And usually there aren't people with knives and swords sticking out of their chest in that situation. <laughs> I, I almost expect them to pan over and Obi-Wan say, these blast points are too accurate for sad people. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's definitely something weird going on with the arm situation of Donat- Donatello and Raphael like have one arm on each other's shoulder. And it's like there's something weird going on with the arm. It just there. looks it like they look have one like arm it. between them. Yeah, they have <laughs> one shared arm. But and the rest of it looks good. It's probably just so they could just really squish all the characters to fit in there. But yeah, you're right. It does make it look really awkward looking. It, it's gonna... <laughs> in my day, we didn't have to pile ninja bodies in the city. It is funny that it looks like Leonardo is like... like He's got his hand on the chest, almost like he's yeah. like, this man's dead. But it's like... <laughs> he's clearly got a big sword sticking out of his chest. Like... Yeah, it's an interesting cover for sure, but I don't know. I like it. I'd put I it mean, on the it's wall. Not, it's not bad. It's just weird. So if I had for- one of those like CGC graded copies. I'd put it on like <laughs> one of those. You know those like you know how you see yeah. people and usually in YouTube videos they got like twelve of them behind them. I'd I'd put it in one of those. So first full page, we've got Donatello. He looks like he's had too much Taco Bell. Yeah, it does actually. <laughs> Uh, the foot, foot elite is uh, looming over Karai, and Mikey looks like he just got there too late. So you you get this, you know, again, as we've said, you get all these great cinematic panels, which, like you say, they don't cost extra. So that's kind of nice that you actually take the time. But uh, Donnie's trying to figure out what he wants to do, because Karai's not exactly, you know, their buddy, but the... <laughs> The foot elite are, you know, no friend of theirs either. So he finds an Uzi next to one of the dead foot soldiers. And this is just one of the things in this run of the comic that's funny to me. Well, what's interesting about this to me is, first off, it's it's interesting that Donatello is the first turtle we see use a gun. Because I guess it's kind of a machine. He would be the first to do it. But it's, like, interesting that, like, first off, that he's able to hit his target here because you know machine guns are messy type guns which makes me wonder has he trained with with one of these because <laughs> uh, he he hits the guy center mass like no problem from a it a lot like, it looks like 30 feet away like he's really far away no that's a good question because he doesn't hit karai i love jim lawson's art and like there's so many great panels in there but there is something about like how he chose to like white out the background from the gun firing. It almost looks like there's like an explosion happening yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is really cool. And you could it, 
it's weird that it seems like for a second he's weighing on whether or not to use the Uzi because it's like he's he's not Batman. He doesn't have an aversion to weapons, so because he throws it away at the end too, like Obi Wan, like uh, so uncivilized. I do like the close up you get of Karai where she looks concerned. So it all around everyone's like, wait a minute, Donnie's gonna use a gun? Okay. Next issue, the turtles all have guns in their mouths. They're like, hey, these are useful. <laughs> yeah, because the only other time we've seen it is the Unmentionables, and they didn't have any bullets in them. And no, in the pre-Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they had guns, too. Not the turtles, but those ninjas did. No, 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 I know the ninjas did, but I'm saying the turtles, like... Oh, okay. That right. That's the only time, but they didn't fire them. They weren't actually loaded. So when you get did to the next... Did they use it in the, in the vampire story? I can't remember. I don't think so. I felt I don't know. like there was something weird in that one. Tweet at us, as Kevin would say. You always sound like you're picking a fight. Tweet at us! <laughs> Tell me uh, I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so you get this image of uh, the foot elite who's been annihilated and the bullet casings on the floor. And I love the panel of Downey holding the smoking Uzi. And he just looks uncomfortable like he... You know, he know he had to make a decision, but he he's really not comfortable with the one he made. Mm-hmm. Leonardo got him into this mess. <laughs> but you're right, it feels like a lot of great emotion just in like that one panel. Like, oh, it's like I didn't wish to have gotten that extreme with that, or maybe didn't even necessarily like. I mean, I don't know, but definitely was not his first choice. <laughs> Right, and that that's something I, I think throughout the Mirage run, especially when it's the core team, they're so good at that. This is one of I the most... I wonder if the mutagen helps them heal in this version. I don't know if they ever touch on that, because in they the bring IDW version, they specifically mention... Like, that's why Jenica ends up getting the blood transfusion, because the, they, they weren't trying to mutate her, they were trying to heal her. So, like, okay. I wonder if that helps her... I wonder if that helps them heal. Isn't that part of the Michael Bay plot? Like, something with their blood... Oh, yeah. And then they injected adrenaline as if that's how that works. To me, this is one of the most jarring transitions in the book. Yeah, it's funny that when I was reading this the first time, for a split second, I thought April was outside the building they were fighting in. Like, yep. because of the way it transitions. And then, like, right away you get that that's not it. But there is, like, a, a second where that happens. Yeah, it's almost like a jump cut. Like, I don't know. So uh, she tours this apartment building that has six apartments. She's speaking with this old lady who wants to retire to Florida. Why does everyone want to retire in Florida? I don't know, especially now. <laughs> it sounds like a hellscape. I want to retire in Alaska with all my snow. Well, that's the key. This was before the internet happened, and they, we didn't know all the crazy stuff that's that true. was going on in Florida at the time. <laughs> we hadn't met Florida, man. So, uh, yeah, April's thinking, yeah, okay, I'm gonna take this place off your hands. And I I feel like this moment couldn't have worked, but it does work. So they go to meet the woman's son. And it turns out Casey now does water heaters because that's what <laughs> he's fixing in the basement there. And Casey and April are reunited. And they foreshadowed it, the, the panel right before you see him. Uh, you'll notice behind his, Casey's mom, there's a hockey stick in the background. Oh, all right. I mean, I, know I mean, it's that... not really foreshadowing because last issue we saw that this woman is Casey's mom, so we we knew it was coming. But but it's a good nod if you're like a first time reader and this is the first book that you'd pick pick up or something like that. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Hey. that would have been really disappointing. What's the first issue you got? The one before the last issue. <laughs> Who's there's some famous comic book creator? I can't think of who, but the Someone said, famous quote, uh, that every issue is somebody's first issue. So every issue of everything is somebody's first comic, I think is the quote. Yeah, I guess that's true. I think that actually might be a Stanley quote. I, but don't quote me on... Who ever heard of that guy? <laughs> what did he know about the comic industry? <laughs> everything. Don't tweet at us. He... <laughs> <laughs> Little as I buy the romance between Casey and April and Mirage, the the reuniting's a nice moment, and I like it. And yeah, it's not like they're, like, making out or anything. They're no, just like, no. oh, hey, what's going on? And they hug each other. So th th there are times where it feels forced. This is not one of them. And then we get to this. How many pages is this? About seven pages 
of this really intense fight. And again, it's cinematic. The way they do it is really great. It's interesting that this is one of those times where you see Leo get mad during a fight. Because you have this moment yeah. where the foot elite makes him bleed his own blood. And there's one panel where I thought he was going to poke the guy in the eyes, but... I guess it was just to psych him out so we could tackle him. Oh yeah, it's kind of like a weird, yeah. Yeah, so he tackles him off the the second floor there and they fall onto the first floor. And there's another weird transition that I had to go back and forth a couple times, but the two of them are fighting and Leo's attacking the foot elite and then the next panel's Leo being thrown through a door. And it just feels like they reversed angles in a weird way. There's a lot of great artwork here where like you feel exactly what what the artist wants you to feel like like first first one is when Leo slashes the foot elite yep. and like you just got like the blood coming out of the hip area just something about the placement of where that wound is you're just like ah oh no that's not good <laughs> and then like there's another part where Leonardo is like feeling his teeth on the next page where you can kind of tell he took a, yeah. a shot to the face. Yep. And like, you know, you're like, Oh, I know what that feels like. That's not good. It's like, like when you bite your lip, it's just <laughs> no good. Even when they fall down and hit the plywood, like you, you kind of know what that's like. Like for even for just like a, you know, just a simple two panels on a comic, you can just feel that weight of like the seeing how far they drop and just like, bam, right onto the wood. So it's, it seems like the Mirage team has two types of comics they make, and this this is the second one. So there's the, the first one where we did this for a while where it's just like 40 pages of nonstop story. And those were like the hardest ones to take notes for because we'd have like four pages of notes of just what happens in this issue, you know? Yeah. Like, I think the vampire issue that I brought up earlier was one of those. Just, like, yes. so much happens in that comic. Then you have the second type they do, which is, like, the first issue of Ninja Turtles. And, like, this issue here where it's tons of action. Just pages and pages and pages of, like, a single fight. And it's it's funny that they don't ever seem to have a balance in the middle. It's always one or the other. So the the fight ends with Leo snapping the neck of the foot elite. And again, just through a couple of images, they, they show that Leo, you know, kind of struggled with having to make that choice. That wasn't what he would have preferred to do, but he knows it's really was the only option to end this. Well, it almost looked like it. I, I, it's probably like supposed to be like light shining down on them or something like that. But it almost looks like rain is falling over. Leo and the dead body to again probably just to kind of more signify like that somber feel to it all so yeah yeah because Raph and Mikey looking down they look kind of glum like this this was not a fun like hey we got in a fight it was yeah we kind of had to do it and none of us feel good about oh, yeah, it it is rain I didn't even notice that because you can see the little circles on the oh, ground yeah yeah it is it's like maybe like a busted pipe or something happened inside, but it's like a, it's kind of like a nice excuse to kind of have that like sad rain scene. <laughs> so basically, this fight ends the exact same way as Man of Steel. Yeah. <laughs> Except anybody who had issue with it had to actually physically write a letter to Mirage. <laughs> you couldn't just go on a message board. <laughs> totally ruins the character, Leonardo, let me tell you. <laughs> the guy who stabbed who cut shredder's head off would never do this <laughs> <laughs> no it's it, you know again it, it's a lot of great moments and uh we catch up with mr bushev the old man who's uh all healed up looks like he's getting uh discharged from the hospital finally he's been in there a long time this has been months okay so I was going to hold my theory on the old man until the last episode. Oh, bring it on. This this is probably a good place to put it in. So I already told you off air that this was my theory. So this is not like me claiming to know something after the fact. Because um, in the letters section of this issue, they confirm my theory. Somebody asks the the Mirage crew 
what's the deal with the old man? And they wrote that his storyline is in there to do two things. To show the passage of time, which was what my theory was. And then they also say that he's in there to demonstrate that even though all this craziness is going on in the turtles' lives, like in the rest of the city, normal life goes on. Which that that second one, I feel like they could have done a little better. Because every time we see him watching the news, it was always like the most depressing stuff. Yeah. Like, like have him watching like a Western or something once in a while. Like have him, if that's your goal, have him doing normal things. Or have but somebody so visit sad. him. I don't know. Yeah. Something. <laughs> I don't know. So it was, to show, it was to show the passage of time because he was in like a full body cast at yeah. first and now he's fully recovered. And then it was to show that life goes on, you know, just because the turtles are going through hell right now. The rest of the city doesn't even know what's happening. Oh, and in the thing, remember how we were debating over whether or not he owned the store? Yeah. I I don't know when, because we had someone, one of the guests said that at some point Kevin Eastman said that he was the owner. But in the letters section, they just mention him as the person who lived above the store. So I don't, I still am not convinced that he owned that store. All right. Fair enough. So we catch up with the turtles and Karai. She's going to finish the restructuring of the New York foot. So to me, that means there's still going to be foot criminal activity going on. So I feel like you're not getting the turtles out of the picture in that point. They do want to still be able to sprinkle the foot in because uh, we we don't see Karai again for for a long, long time in the comic. It's like, I think it's volume two of Tales, which is was in like 2004. Um, but you do see the foot clan. So I think that's what they wanted. They wanted okay. to still be able to use the foot clan without knowing if they were going to use Karai. Because you get this great line from Leo to Donnie that we are not in the shadow of the shredder. So he, he doesn't loom over them anymore. So it, it's kind and of And he a, literally steps out of the shadow to say it. <laughs> like they have him in this yep. dark cloud here. Yep. And then just like the Michael Bay films, he's out of the shadows. <laughs> he comes out of the shadow to say it. And uh, she, she tells the turtles to use this opportunity well of a new beginning. And we end on Leo saying, we will, Karai, we will. So that that's almost the end of volume one, but yeah, I mean it. One more thing, I, yeah. What do you got? One more thing I had to say about the letters section at the end is I thought it was also worth mentioning that someone wrote in asking if there would be any future appearances of Karai, and there were a few. Like people liked the character. And they respond by saying there's no immediate plans for her to reappear, but you never know, was what they said. Which is, it's kind of cute to me because, like, the benefit of hindsight, Mm -hmm. we know she shows up in, like, every version of the Turtles at a certain point. Like, she's in the 03 cartoon, she's a major role in the 2012, the IDW comics, uh, she's in Rise, She's, she's in the Platinum Dunes movies, actually. I can't remember, is... She's in the 07 movie, right? That's Karai. So she's in everything. Yeah, yeah she's in um, just about everything. So I she's think. gone from like, you never know, to like a staple of the series. Like someone who's like as important as like Casey Jones or Krang or Baxter Stockman or something. I found this version of her a little more interesting in not being related to Shredder. Yeah, that is like we talked about that in another episode where like. Stuff like that always makes the universes feel so much smaller. Mm -hmm. In this episode, they allude to Casey's dad at one point. Yeah. And how Casey's dad died. And I actually just read recently that issue. And, of course, the turtles were involved. (laughs) It's like a a flashback issue. And, of course, the turtles were involved in Casey's dad's death before they knew. Oh, and April was involved, too. Before any of those people knew each other. Uh, it's like, I mean, I'm sure this was like a really good experiment just to like throw out a new character to see like, like kind of like scooter out there like, oh, do they like her? Do they not? You know, kind of see how like fan reaction is going to be like if no one liked her, they'd be like, OK, we didn't tie too much lore to her where we need to keep her like forever or anything like that. But, you know, so 
I also think there was a time in franchises where that wasn't such a cliche because like I can specifically remember back in like I feel like this was like 2004 or 2003 pretty soon after high school for me like <laughs> I remember I was reading this like it was a Batman um, fan fiction thing about the Riddler and like they they gave him this interconnected story to like Bruce Wayne and I remember thinking it was awesome at the time and like I remember thinking like why don't like this is what things should do more often is give the characters more connection and like I, I think because at that point like 2004 it hadn't been beaten to death and now we've come out to the other side of that and we've seen it so much where we're like Stop making everything connected. That's <laughs> like Batman 89 having the Joker before Joker killing Bruce's parents and stuff like that instead of just a yeah. random plug. So. I think that's what started it. Yeah. And like everyone was like, that's what we need. We need a direct connection to our character. And you don't always need that. Poison Ivy doesn't need to like work on the grounds at Wayne Manor. Like, <laughs> that doesn't have to be. doesn't have to be like that. <laughs> He stepped on that rose on purpose. I'll get him. <laughs> Just makes me think of that Spaceballs joke with Rick Moranis. It's like, I'm your third cousin of your something. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know what? That's another place where it kind of started. It was Batman 89, and before that it was making Darth Vader Luke Skywalker's father and Leia his sister. Because, like, I mean, I'm not breaking any news here, but we, we, I think we've all heard that originally George Lucas has said that Leia wasn't planned to be his sister and like his idea for like the second trilogy would be like Luke looking for his sister. And I think they even had a name for her, um, which I can't think of right now. But I was like, that's so much cooler. Like, I, I wish you didn't shrink it that much, but whatever. So rating wise, I, I went with a 3.5 because I enjoyed it, but it... Felt a little anticlimactic as far as the the war part. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a Dragon Ball Z storyline. You get like it's like they're gonna fight next episode. They're gonna fight next episode. No, it's gonna be next episode. Yeah, it was kinda just like a slow build there, but I don't know. I like that it's setting things up. The, another thing that keeps popping up in the letters section is they're very excited for volume two to start. Or as they're referring to it right now, full color issues. I don't think they knew they were going to renumber yet. Like they, they just because that's what they keep saying. Like we're going to be moving into full color issues soon. So, hundred years, Morty. Hundred years. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, my rating. So uh, I would give this. I I have it as a four out of five. I liked it a lot. Um, okay. Definitely a lot more than some of the stuff we've had here in City at War. Would recommend. In fact, I'd almost recommend people start City at War like two issues ago. You, you don't need the first like five issues. Well, I know I haven't like, um, I did read uh, the other issues, but I know I hadn't really like commented on them like you guys have been keeping up to episode episode. But um, and again, maybe it's just bias uh, studying storyboard work and stuff like that. I was just like, I really I probably definitely give this a four just for the art alone of like they really nailed that like that feeling of the action and fighting through the panels and stuff like that. It like was very like dynamic and just very cinematic. So, but yeah, as far as writing, it's like, there's not a lot really like, I mean, not that you need an exposition dump or anything like that, but it just, like <laughs> well, I think they made a conscious, like, I think they made a note of that because when they do, I, when they do city at war, Decades later on IDW, they they do another City at War story as like an homage to this. And that one's only eight issues long. So they made a note to truncate it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's good for the pen, pen ultimate issue of volume one. I, I Obviously, if you've been listening this whole time, then, you know, read along, read it. But no, I... I City at War yeah, is pretty good. I think the problem is that they named it City at War. Like, that yeah. gives you such, like, high hopes for a crazy story. And in reality, like, I love that continuity is back. I mean, it technically started two issues before this, but we've got an ongoing continuity now. Like, I love that, like, everything matters all of a sudden, and you really feel like you're starting to build a turtle's history. 
Yeah. I think the name City at War just makes you expect, like, crazy. I mean, we did have one issue where there was, like, war yeah. in the streets. But... Yeah. But I, I don't. It doesn't feel, yeah, like you said, like a citywide thing. Like the 2012 series. Well, even the old man, like they said, their point was that nobody even knows this is going on. So it's it's not really. Yeah, so it's kind of. It's kind of contradicting. Right. So. And it probably would help. Like, I mean, I think the elite were fine villains. But again, it's like, you know, compared to a shredder that is like so hard to like live up to like expectations. Like, oh, this feels so satisfying. Like, because that villain was so great. You know, it's like. Should have called it City at Secret War. <laughs> Given someone a black costume and had Doctor Doom show up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's a good arc. I, I, I think for iconic turtle stories, City at War has done better in other versions, but the original run, I mean, it's good. Okay, so let's do some toy figure facts. Pizza power! Terminate the turtles. Oh goody! Fresh turtles for lunch. Turtle soup. My favorite. <laughs> you shellheads are dead. From So this week, uh, because next week is the last episode of the season, I thought I would do Sean a favor, and uh, the, the toy that I picked doesn't directly tie into this issue. But I picked a Raphael figure for you, Sean. Because I know you've, you've been so bummed that I haven't been picking Raph. And I picked Grand Slammin' Raph. The the baseball bashing batter. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> His accessories are Batten Bat. Yes, Batten Bat. <laughs> His Batten Bat. Alright. Grungy Good Guy Glove. Which is the opposite That's... of O.J. Simpson's glove, I guess. That was the bad guy glove. <laughs> I I watched, I think, a 20-minute just montage of every Weekend Update joke Norm McDonald did oh, about yeah. O.J. I had no idea it was that many. Apparently, that's what got him fired. That's like a, yeah, a theory. I guess the guy who was in charge of NBC, I thought it was Lorne Michaels who got mad. But the guy who ran the actual network was friends with OJ. But I didn't realize, like, it was 20 minutes of him just... And I was like, oh my god, I thought he brought it up a couple times. I love... One last thing I'll say about OJ before I move on. Um, Have you ever heard Dave Chappelle tell the story about how he ran into OJ Simpson four times? That is such a great... Oh, yeah. No. I I, I don't want to ruin it, but like the punchline is basically by the fourth time he runs into OJ, he's like, OJ asks for a picture with him and he's like, my career can't survive a picture with you. Sorry. So, okay. So it goes on to say for Grand Slam and Raph, team amphibious all-stars, position, shortstop, not sure why, don't see the pun there. Height, 5'11", with batting helmet. Weight, 155, with bat and ball. We should start paying attention to if they're consistent with these weights. I, I don't think on the they figures. Because I doubt they are. And the height, too, while we're at yeah, it. Yeah, the height's off. School team, the Pop Fly Eaters. Second round draft choice. Pop Fly Favorite Eaters food? sounds like you just... Tried to catch pop flies and get smacked in the face constantly. It doesn't sound like you were a good team. Well, yeah, they're not frogs. Do turtles eat flies? I don't think they do. Do do frogs eat baseballs? Like, uh... (laughs) well, here's what they eat. It says his favorite food is bubblegum pizza. Okay. And then here's one I didn't know what was going on. Uh, Number of hits, not home runs, but number of hits. 985. I don't know if there's any significance to that number, but it's on the action figure. So he's assaulted 985 people? <laughs> yeah, it's not even baseball related. It's just <laughs> Description. It's all runs, lots of hits, and no errors with Grand Slam and Raph, the swivel-hipped home run hitter. 
He's always trying to keep things in fair territory. He doesn't believe in walks or wimpy singles. It's home runs or nothing, homeboy. In last year's champion series, Grand Slam and Raff was voted MVP, most volatile player. This hard-hitting hero always shammers horse... Always shammers horse hides? What? Out of the ballpark. <laughs> Are baseballs called horse hides? Like, like a football's a pigskin? I've never heard that. I've... I have no idea. Uh, that's right. my mom. She's huge into baseball. <laughs> Tweet at us. <laughs> Even Shredder's sewer spitballs. And then it says, and so can you when you power practice with Grand Slam and Raph. So Grand Slam and Raph was part of the Sports Turtles line. It was him. We had Shell kicking Raph. So he played a little soccer too. Shell slamming Mike. Slap Shot Leo, which was a figure I know I owned back when I was a little kid. Touchdown Tossin' Leo. And Slam Dunkin' Don. Apparently Don can only play one sport, but the rest of the Turtles can play multiple ones. Well, they couldn't have Science Fair Don as his alternate, so. <laughs> Grand Slam Raf, the only player in the league history to cause penalties to have to be used during a baseball game. <laughs> He's, uh... He's pretty inexpensive if you want to take a stab at his eBay price. I believe it. Uh, I'm going to guess he's like, I'm going to do like 65 bucks. What do you think, Audrey? Hmm. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like they probably mass produced a lot of them, but then maybe not. And nostalgia would really be like, oh my gosh, that's so weird and ridiculous. Hmm. I'm going to say 45. Well, you're, you're both on... Each end of it, fifty-five bucks in package. Or if you want him loose, somebody has him with all his accessories for ninety-nine cents. <laughs> That'd be mint in box. <laughs> I don't, no, I didn't have any of the sports turtles. I think I might have had one of the like the footballs they came out with. Yeah, I, like. Any um, Ninja Turtle action figures were just kind of like standard action figures that I had. Like, nothing really super fancy, just, it was just the Turtles. <laughs> so you, you didn't get a lot of the, the variants? <laughs> I think my parents were already, like, weirded out. Like, why is, the, why is this girl wanting to get, like, all these Ninja Turtles? We're trying to get her Barbies. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I remembered all the Turtle toys I had. Like, I just, like, I'll... I'll randomly recognize it when I'm looking through for this segment, but off the top of my head, I can never remember. Besides the basic figures, like, obviously I had the normal turtles, and I, I had, I had, like, I think that whole first wave. I had the turtles, April, Shredder, and a foot soldier. And then, like, all the crazy ones. I know I had crazy ones, I just don't remember which. <laughs> I can remember when, I, you know, like that, uh, toy museum site you told me about i i can remember when i'm looking at that or yeah. at rad plastic when i've got pictures but i i had a lot but i didn't have as many as i thought i did like i remember i had a leonardo from the third movie in the samurai gear kicking around for a long time like it was yeah. one of those things that like well into adulthood i would still see that thing like in a closet <laughs> be like you're still around <laughs> good for you so uh audrey you want to uh just tell the listeners a little bit about pigsty comics oh uh it's kind of just basically uh a, a diary comic so to speak but with a little bit more of a gag gag a day kind of thing so kind of based on my life because i'm that conceited <laughs> But, you know, just uh, also other just kind of like, you know, life of a single lady artist mostly is just me being like super tired most of the time <laughs> <laughs> and my two cats. But um, but I also share a lot of my other artwork as well, too, on, on my site as well, too. But I just started it, so I'm hoping to keep pretty consistent with it. The current um, animation job that I'm working right now has been keeping me pretty busy, so... Um, even though I'm trying to post it every Saturday, the last week I kind of <laughs> faltered on that. But, you know, just be patient with me. It, I'm hoping to make this kind of like a nice big thing and hopefully maybe even announce more um, 
more in-depth projects I have down the road as well, too. Nice. So. Oh, and uh, all the the characters are drawn as animals. And I swear, I promise, it's not a weird furry thing. <laughs> well, I wasn't thinking that until you said it. <laughs> I know. Now, I now everyone's like... <laughs> uh, Audrey, so you're, you're actually, yeah, on a is into animation too from Turtle Recall. What, what do you do in the uh, animation field? Um, right now, I'm basically a cleanup artist. Uh, I uh, The first episode I just worked on for a children's preschool show called Gizmo Go just was released on DVD not too long ago. And um, basically just, you know, take like a lot of the art from the concept artists and just kind of clean them up to be uh, TV ready or help out the animators, but I've been slowly moving up the ladder and getting to more concept art and more concept and character designs as well, too, which has been awesome. Just, just very tiring. Oh, that's very cool. <laughs> and that, not much else to do on my end, but again, love to have you guys follow my work, and I definitely will have to, like, advertise you guys again. I'm getting a kind of a good following there, too, so... Um, for your guys' podcast. It always seems like every time I post for this podcast, it does really well on my Instagram. So I'll leave it up to Kevin to surprise me with whatever he's thinking for season three. But no, I mean, I, I love the artwork. I uh, I guess you've given me a reason to get on Instagram. I'm such an old man. Like I was. You don't have to post anything. You can just follow all the stuff you like to see. Yeah, I know. Because... Well, and like I said, I really need to um, embrace, like, Twitter more. Like I said, I've got a page, but I haven't really done anything with it. So um, if I do spread onto other social media sites like uh, Twitter, YouTube, or Facebook, you'll know it first on Instagram on my channel there, or my page there. All right, cool. So uh, thanks for listening. I mean, look at us actually getting through a whole series of a book. How about that? How about that? One more to go. So, yeah, so, you you can hit us up on Twitter and email us and jump on the Patreon if you'd like so we can try some of this crazier stuff we have floating around. But, yeah, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week with the uh, final episode of Season 2 and our, our last take on Mirage Volume 1. And thank you once again, Audrey, for, for taking the time. Well, thanks for having me, guys. So, And hope you all listeners are having a good day as well, too. So. <laughs> See you next week. Ridiculous. <laughs> the Ninja Turtle Nerds is a fan-supported podcast. If you'd like to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash tmntnerds. If you'd like to see images of the comics we discussed in this episode, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at TMNTNerds. Have a question or comment for us? You can email us at TMNTNerds at gmail.com. And if you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much for listening.